How did you make Fireball Roberts' 62 Daytona winning car run for 500 miles at whatever, 6,500, 7,000 RPM? And if you know Smokey Eunuch or anything about him, how cool he was, he took that pipe out of his mouth. He's got that hat on. He goes, well, the first thing I did was get rid of that goddamn big-ass three-and-a-quarter-inch main bearing. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com, classracingtoday at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them that way. Uh, remember, we start the show off every time with this because it's important that you know we don't charge for this show. If you get value out of it, you decide what that value looks like. Go to classracingtoday.com, click on the donate button, and you can choose what that value is. Uh, everything is appreciated and very helpful, so thanks for all your support as we go forward. Um, I, I realize every time I do, I, I breathe in. So that's kind of the start of the show. It's like some of the announcers I've heard, they'll say, y'all ready? And that's it. That's the beginning of the show. So, <laughs> Brian, how are you today? I'm doing good. Awesome. I think that's what I say every time, too. <laughs> It's just when you were talking about value-added coupons popped into my head for some reason. Nice. I'm like, is this going to be a discounted show today or a full-price show? Not. <laughs> discount. Oh, discount. Class Racing Today. Also, if you are watching uh, on YouTube, uh, if you would be so kind as to push the subscribe button um, and hit the little bell, as they say, uh, what that does is it allows us to uh, see who's really watching the show and engaging with it. Um, and if we get farther down the road uh, in that uh, subscribership, it will also uh, give us opportunity uh, for some monetization possibilities. Um, that way, it still is a free product to you. Uh, no, no barrier to entry other than you have to click on the play button. So that's something we'll do. Uh, how's it going in your world? I know we are, are constantly, for the last several months, talking about this... Um, Elusive car that you supposedly have <laughs> somewhere. How's it going? It's going good. Yeah. I want to back up to YouTube. Oh, yeah. Like, so if you get a little value out of the show, one thing you could do without actually contributing, so we'll call it the coupon model, Ooh. is subscribe. There you go. And make sure your friends all subscribe. Mm -hmm. And if people, you know what, you can call them out. Hey, have you subscribed to Class Racing today? That's right. This is how we can help them without spending anything. So we save money for the car. So the coupon model is subscribe. <laughs> right. Tell all your friends to subscribe. I think we uh, we need a prize for like the the thousandth subscriber. Oh, brother, what's that going to be? A, a special call out on the show? Ooh, free T-shirt. <laughs> we give them a ding from the bell. A free T-shirt if Sometimes you're the nine hundredth or the thousandth. <laughs> Both of them? Yeah. Interesting. I'd do a free t-shirt right. for every hundredth subscriber. Oh, okay. I don't care. Maybe we'll hit 5,000. Hey, let's do it. 10,000. 100 grand. Let's do it. How many class racers are there? That's actually something that would be fascinating to know. I don't know if it matters. I want subscribers. <laughs> bots? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. We might get some No, the bots, are, the bots are old. I don't want bots. Okay. But- that is one way that seriously you guys can help us. Yeah. So just go to YouTube, like, subscribe. It's easy. We would be very appreciative. 
Excellent. Well, today, um, just jumping right into this, because you clearly have some inside secret information we're not going to discuss about your car, so that's all right. We'll, we'll save that for another day. Um, <laughs> on the show today um, is a longtime racer, uh, and I learned in some pre-chat that we had that uh, uh, he's got some footprint into the, the rock and roll world a little bit, too, which I don't know. I'm, I'm all over the place with the interest that I have, so that's intriguing to me. Multiple uh, class winner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is interesting for me because, like, A, if the car, like, runs how as good as I open it, I'm like, I might actually have a chance at class. Like, I think it would be kind of <laughs> cool. Like, I've never been a player. So, to me, it's just been, mm-hmm. like, not that important. Like, I can appreciate it. But, I'm like, maybe there's a chance I could one day run for class. But this guy even won class in Indy. Yeah. 1990. No, 2004. Yeah. Against um, PC Richards of all people. <laughs> and started announcing racing the year I was born. So 100 years ago. No, <laughs> a while ago. Um, he's, he's still alive. He's still alive. Bruce Fulper is on the show. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Hey, hi, guys. I got some coupons to give away. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Hot dog. So, so How's 19, excellent. Oh, so 1979, uh, you start, how in the world did that begin? Um, it was a, it was a GTO club national uh, event, uh, going on in Southern Ohio. Mm-hmm. And, um, there, they, I, I, if I remember right, that I think that the track, it was Ohio Valley Raceway. And I believe the track didn't even have an announcer or, or they maybe the guy that ran the track would say something every once in a while, and I thought, God, this is terrible. You know, we need some excitement and uh, entertainment. You know, so I went up and asked the guy if I could announce. So that was my first time. I just walked up, and because I knew all the cars and mm-hmm. knew a lot of the people, it just made it, you know, a lot more feel good for all the guys yeah. that were running. And so that was the very first time that I announced anywhere. And then realized that, uh, well, just realized I was good at it. You know, I was just to, so, to be modest. I, yeah. I do feel like a knowledge of what you're talking about is pretty critical. Like, it'd Certainly. be funny. Like, <laughs> like, Craig has an awesome radio voice, and he's really good at this. I want to see him announcer. Oh, here comes the shiny red car right. <laughs> smoking the tires. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. certainly And that's another too. thing, too. I When I announced at the street legal drags for it was almost seven years, uh, you know, the majority of the cars out here at Pomoda are all Hondas and all them rice burners. But, you know, I made them kids feel like they were, you know, John Force. you know, never talked down to them, always talked them up. And I even for a while, it was really hard to do because of the uh, hard head headedness of some people. But I knew what would be fun to try and get these kids into racing, maybe some class racing, was to... During the all our events at Pomona were two day events. That's how many street racers there were out here. It was not uncommon for us to have four to five hundred cars a day. Wow. Wow. And so what I what I got them to do, we only did it twice, but I, I made this little session where I told the, all the racers, I said, go out and make your runs, look at your ET slips. Now we're gonna have this special race where you come up and put your dial in on the window 
and you're going to run against somebody that's slower or faster than you. So don't don't jump the tree when somebody else, a slower car moves first. And we did that twice, and it was just a heck of a lot of fun. But uh, the guy that uh, I actually got hired as the promoter, or uh, uh, not the promoter, but the manager of the street legal drags, he, uh, the, the girl that was running the computer, just she was lazy. She didn't want to be typing in all these uh, ETs or all these dial-ins because she was used to just the bracket race mm. all day long. You know, so I only got to do it twice. But that, the, my point is, I was just trying to make it fun for everybody. Yeah. You know, try and bring them in, make it fun. And, uh, man, we had some good times. Like that one picture you got there from Dino Don, Dino Don Nicholson. Can you imagine I'm announcing at Pomona and an El Camino comes out to run and the girl says, oh, no, it came up on the computer screen, Don Nicholson. And I'm like. Nah. And so when I got a chance, I ran out in the pits and sure as hell, Dino Don, who didn't live too far, just decided to come over and, and make some runs. And so I put him up against the, all the police, which was a regular deal at Pomona was called Beat the Heat, where cops <laughs> would come out and waste the kids. And so I put together a little show. And Dino Don ran three of the cop cars and beat all three of them. <laughs> wow. and, that's me, and that's me giving him a trophy. <laughs> That's cool. That, that was a that was a cool day. You know, it'd be a really funny reality show. <laughs> so now, you know, I'm like go to the whatever California Pomona racetrack. You're basically gonna detour off the first fourteen or four hundred cars. Or just into from, the track, from the street, randomly just straight in. Bring them in. Oh, that's a great idea. Think of the personalities that you're gonna grab randomly <laughs> off the street driving by. <laughs> That would be the best. It's a shame that that track's not oh, open man. at least once a month. It just sits there and gets dirty. The sad so thing is, is out of those 400 people, 100 are really going to have a lot of fun. Well, th then nowadays you'll get some of these Teslas showing up. <sighs> oh, man. Teslas. Oh, we had it. We had all that stuff showing up crazy. Um, what's that little twin turbo car? Uh, Maserati. Mm. I think it was a Maserati twin turbo. A guy drove it in off the street. <laughs> turned the air conditioner off because we he was dripping water run 970s and drove it home wow <laughs> well they say like those tesla plaids and i am by no means like acknowledging that it's actually a car that belongs on the drag strip <laughs> but 10 o's that plaid te tesla because i was just watching some guy got asked to leave and i don't know if it was pomona it was somewhere in california there's a whole bunch of teslas and he was going uh like 16s in the eighth, and they asked him to leave. Like, that's what the I need nothing. <laughs> 16s, no, like 16, like six point. Oh, six, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the eighth. Like, they're like, oh, Heads that's up now. That's under, uh, that's under 10 0 and a quarter. You got to leave without a roll bar and safety equipment. That's, I can appreciate yeah. it. But yeah, we used to have those problems uh with uh when they uh what was that hot little car Chrysler came out with? It was real popular All of for them. a while. <laughs> All of them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where do we start? Do we go to the darts, the barracudas, but they didn't the chargers, have, uh, the challengers? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's something else. Anyway, 
you know, they didn't have SFI balancers or nothing, you know, and it was very unsafe actually, but uh, you know, sometimes we'd let them run. Sometimes we'd, they, they would kick them out. If it was up to me, I'd, if they want to run, run, you know, I wasn't so, the manager of the track. So 1979, you start this announcing scenario. Uh, how did you get to 2004 winning Indy? Walk us into that. We have the video clip of that. Do you want to watch that first or you want to get there? Well, we can wait a second. I can tell you a little bit okay. about the story that got me there. Uh, I had been drag racing since I got to California from Ohio in uh, 1984. And I immediately just started. I, I'm a real pretty good car hunter. I've owned over 1,700 cars. Oh, my goodness. And uh, getting to California in 1984 was still in time before everything went nuts. And, oh, man, I, I bought a, a mint. You, you know, when you look at a car and the body lines are so straight, you just go, wow. That, that's. I bought a 66 goat that looked like that for $400. <laughs> I bought a 67 GTO off some young kid that him and his brother put a 7455 in with a cam and headers and intake and a carburetor. It only had a 650 Holly on it. The holy mackerel, I took that thing to the track and it ran 1320s with a 30-inch tall slick on a, on a 355 gear. I was going through the traps before 5500, running low 13s. I paid 1200 bucks for that car. But... So I had cars. I was trying to drag race. I had, I had some cool stuff and uh, kept working my way up to something faster and faster. And I bought a, uh, a real beautiful old time 67 GTO race car that had everything done to it, roll bar and some fiberglass and I painted it bright red, but I never got to put it together because during those years, I was running my business, which is called rock and roll engineering, which was started before the internet, or I probably would have called it Pontiac something. But before <laughs> the internet, it was uh, anybody that knew me knew it was an inside thing. It's kind of a name because everybody, or most people knew I play guitar. Mm -hmm. So I, I, when that name popped into my head, it just sounded so cool, you know, rock and roll engineering. So during that time, Phil Monteith, who owned the car that Peter Biondo drove, um, he was getting me to sponsor him, which I did, uh, on parts. They run my valves. Um, I forget what else, a couple other items. But I got to know Monteith pretty well. And then when they won the 96 championship, we started talking because they got a brand new car from Pontiac. And they were going to put the 96 uh, or the, the 82 up for sale. And uh, I got to talking to him and we made a deal where he, uh, <laughs> well, he saw how good the new 428 combination was doing, which is I'll get into that in a little bit, but he wanted that combination. So I ended up providing Phil Monteith with everything to make a 428 like I was running and, and some money. And he let me make payments on it. And so all of a sudden, I come out of having bracket race cars and street cars, and I own the 1996 World Championship NHRA Superstock car. And uh, I'm like on cloud nine. Now, I got to say this real quick, but I wish you could find, and I, I don't know if you can, I haven't been able to find it. I know it's out there because I've seen it. But if you go back and watch the Indy 
1996 uh, finals in Superstock, when Peter come through the lights and lifted, the car crab walked really bad. And you can see his eyes in the helmet just getting big, you know. <laughs> and he's in the brakes. And it's like, ah. so I asked Mom Teeth before I got the car. I said, did, did you figure out what that was? He just kind of laughed. He goes, yeah, 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 we fixed that. Well, guess what? I built a 400, put it in the car, went all the way up to Sacramento, Fresno, or Sacramento racetrack. My first run in a divisional race. And I was just praying that I could at least run under the index. I had no idea. what like, I had. I had a set of my ported factory heads on it and big cam and a 750 Q jet. And uh, it ran under the index on the first run. I let off the gas and that thing just crab walked. That scared the hell out of me. I even had a couple of racers come over and said, what's wrong with that car? I said, I don't know. I'm going, I'm going home. I loaded it up and came back to Southern California and started tearing it apart because it was hard it's tough to figure out what would cause a car to do this, you know? And uh, so I had to get into the rear end and I'm taking it apart. And somebody, all the bolts and all the forelink were fully threaded. That means there were threads in, in, the, in, the, in the brackets mm -hmm. and everything. And those threads were just sawn away at those holes. All the friggin' four-link bolts were fully threaded bolts, and all the holes were wore out, wobbled. I had to get oversized bolts, really long ones, so I could cut them off and have a real long shoulder. So I put all those in the car and uh, fixed that problem. <laughs> but uh, that was scary. So anyway, so I had a car that I could trust, and I was working on that 400. I even beat, uh, I out-qualified one of the, you guys probably know these type of people in NHRA that can't make their cars run, so they whine the NHRA about getting their horsepower re reduced. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know too many of these people, and they're in my world, and I'm not going to mention any names. You might be able to figure out who they are. But anyway, I out-qualified this one guy, this one whiner. I went 10.04, <laughs> and he went 10.05, and I got to put that on my my facebook page you know and of course he was just hotter than the beans you know but i mean facts are facts i out qualified him so i left it on the table and i was happy but uh that was three years then it had to be fall or the end of the season in 2001 when the new horsepower uh or, you know the recommendations came out and of course i go right to the pontiac to see what's happened and i don't know if you guys are familiar with this 1973 1974 i'm not trans am <laughs> pontiacs had what they called a super duty motor mm -hmm. it had round port heads on it which is really something 455 with round port heads you know a lot of potential there and although only two of these guys realize the potential a little bit and this is something these guys didn't know you like this before i got my foot into the nhri racing door and then got my foot into the tower i was sitting in the stands with everybody else since 1984 1985 i would take a little notebook with me sit in the stands and write down of course pomona starts on thursday 
I would write down every ET from every Pontiac in every class, stock, super stock, and even in comp eliminator if one showed up, but those were all Chevy powered, so it didn't matter. But I wrote down, and I did this for three years. And I could see different, uh, uh, what do you call it? As the time goes on, I could see what some people would slow down during the week, some would get faster during the week. And uh, this this one guy that was one of the whiners, his car would run with a fresh motor. I'll, I'll tell this guy's name because he's a good guy. Gary McGlasson runs a Camaro out of Arizona. He's an engine builder. He would build the motors for this guy. A fresh Gary McGlasson 455 round port would run 970s. The other guy that was running, uh, I can mention him because he's, he hates all drag racers now and thinks we're all stupid. <laughs> Bob Dales, he would run 970s. Nobody ever went quicker than a 970. And so I get these readings or, the, or the, these results from the horsepower changes. And NHRA had brought that 455. Now, mind you, it's a 4210 stroke. Okay. 455 inches, 4210 stroke just a monster and it made they made it the same horsepower as my deport head which is the crappy pontiac head my deport head of 400 which is a three and three quarter stroke hmm. now this doesn't make any sense <laughs> and so i'm like i'm freaking out i'm like what am i gonna do uh you know i'm, I'm gonna have to spend a lot of money or something because I, I I figured I had the 400 running about as good as it could go. Um, there were some people running a little faster with my combination. Uh, oh, Vic Santos, if you guys ever heard of him, out of the East Coast, had a just screaming fast Firebird, low compression 400. But anyway, I didn't know what to do. I sat down and I was thinking about it. And I thought, you know, nobody has ever run a four, uh, 428 in NHRA stock or super stock before and i was wondering why and uh come to find out nhra had it rated at 390 which was what it was when it was new 390 well no pontiac guy that looked at that said well that sounds good to me and so nobody ever built one so here's what i did <clears throat> took a big piece of paper i laid out the 400 three three quarter stroke 400 bore crappy deport heads 428, a quarter inch more stroke, but almost a quarter inch less than the 455. It's a four inch stroke, which what's that remind you of, if you know? Big block Chevy. Four inch stroke is a magical number. Now let that be for a moment. Four inch stroke, crappy heads, 750 QJ. And then the 455, big stroke, big round port heads, you know. And I sent it off to, uh, What's his name? Dav Davil Gary over at NHRA. Uh, got a funny last name. Anyway, I sent her over to the tech department. And three weeks later, I get this thing in the mail. Now, they had rated that 455 down to 325. That's what my 400 was. I get a thing from them. It says they took the 428 and gave it to me. I only asked them to make it 325. I knew better than to try and be, look like I was uh, 
uh, being uh, uh, what's the word uh, greedy. And I just thought if they make it the same, maybe I can have a chance against these 455 round port motors. So uh, I get this thing back and they give me the 428 at 320. Like, Yay! <laughs> and I didn't even ask about the 400. I didn't even mention it other than I just made it an example. And they dropped the 400 to 315. Just because, I guess. I don't know. So anyhow, that was the beginning of the world changing, literally. If anybody wants to be honest about it, well, if you just go back and look over what happened. I built the first 428 and showed up at uh, Speed World in Phoenix, which was just a hot, dry, horrible, friggin', you know, uh, oil on the starting line kind of tracks, just so stinking hot. But uh, we had a divisional over there, and uh, I didn't tell anybody what I'd done because I... I'm not one to brag. I, I, if I do good, I'll be proud of it and talk about it later. But I never talk about anything up front. So I wanted to see what this thing would do. Now, mind you, the best I'd ever run was a 1004. That was the best. That was with the 400. I'm in these horrible conditions at Phoenix, hotter than hell, over 100 degrees. And I'm looking at the picture. It's, it's, it's up on the wall over here. Um, the first run at Phoenix was 997. And I come back to my trailer, and there's like 30 guys standing around in a circle. They're like, you're like a school mom, you know, going, what'd you do? <laughs> you know? And I lied to all of them. I just wanted to, I wanted to enjoy this moment for as long as I could. Well, I just told them I put new rings in it. <laughs> and, of course, now they'll all know. Of course, they figured it out the next time I was out, which was... Vegas. And then the third time out with it was Pomona. And it was running so good, I just parked it. I didn't want anything to happen. I wanted to be able to take it to Indy. And that's what I did. So, but getting the 428 approved made two guys that had never run in the nines before that live close to you, <clears throat> all of a sudden, they're running 920s. You know, and they're acting like they're a big deal, you know, never mentioning my name. Robert Cruzen, you know him probably. Robert Cruzen runs a little cobalt super stock out of Oklahoma. He won super stock at Pomona about three years ago. He's got a 428 Pontiac in that cobalt. <laughs> and there were several people that put the 428 in their Camaros because it was such a good combination. So uh, I, I had fun enjoying that also at the same time i was bummed that you know here i come out and i'm the king of this thing and nobody asked me to build a motor for them <laughs> they just you know and i can understand that i'm not upset but it's just like gee you would think somebody would come to me you know even a local guy that has blown up four of them i ain't gonna mention his name either but he's a big time pontiac guy here in the west coast he decided he had to go to the 400 too, or the 428 too Broke four of them now in three years. Wow. He won't even come to me and say, what am I doing wrong? I don't know. Anyway, so getting the 428 approved was just so much fun. I was looking forward to being the first eight second uh, super stalker and uh, never got a chance because you probably don't know this story. But coming home from Indy. Well, let's back I, up. I wanted... Let's show the clip from Indy. 
Let's talk about uh, it. Let's talk about oh, Indy before we go. Seen it. That's right. I haven't seen the clip. Yeah. Let's uh, see my. Uh, I'm in the near lane. Bob Uncafer calling this race. Yeah, I was just going to say that. The highlight of my mechanical career right here, buddy. <laughs> I can, I can, I'm still in that car right now, <laughs> looking out the back window, beating on the dash, going, he can't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. First, I couldn't see him because the, the roof was uh, blocking him. And then finally, I seen the back end of his car back there, and I'm like, he's not going to catch me. <laughs> I can't believe it. I got this in me. <laughs> and I got Wally Parks to autograph it. That's cool. Yeah. Well, anyone so against I, PC I've had a lot of good times. <laughs> anyone against PC Richards would be one worth remembering, but for a class at Indy, yeah. that's pretty special. Yeah, it was a twofold deal because he could have whipped my butt if that car hadn't have spun that tire a half a turn. We wouldn't be talking about this. <laughs> Why Except, Pontiac? Well, huh? Why Pontiac? Oh, yeah, good question. Uh, I got a great answer. February 1965, I got my older brother, nine years older than me, and he'd moved out. I'm 65, I'm 12, no, 13. And on a ice cold winter night in February in Kent, Ohio, no snow to ground, just cold as a mother. My brother rolls in the driveway with a, 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 a six months old. 65 Grand Prix. Just those things are just so beautiful. I mean, I, I was just taken aback by how good that car looked. And then, of course, he pops the hood and it had the biggest motor, what they call the 421HO, had the biggest motor in it. And it came with the factory three speed Ford top loader transmission with a 308 first gear. So this thing just launched like a battleship with rockets. It's you know, a gorgeous just, looking car too. <laughs> oh, just a beautiful car, and and uh, yeah, could just <laughs> I could I could show you this one. I've had four of them. This is the one that we used to set up the clocks at the now defunct Norton Air Force Base drag strip. Oh, <laughs> cool. I called it Project BFSC. Because I was working on brake-specific fuel consumption ideas, and uh, I wanted to outfit it with sensors and uh, do that. It, it never happened, but I got into all that because of Chafee College. Uh, we got to touch on that for a minute. I I wouldn't have the knowledge uh, or anywhere near the the knowledge that uh, I got by being lucky enough to go to Chafee College advanced engine design courses, where uh, our professor, Kent Fisk, was just one of the best in the world, literally. And uh, I learned so much stuff. I came out of there just, so what am I going to do? And, of course, where I worked, I was a mechanical nuclear inspector. And Congress is going to be shutting our place down because uh, evidently we had made enough spares for all our uh, nuclear submarines. And uh, I was looking for something to do. I didn't know what I was going to do after making good money working there and had a you know the yard full of cool cars and uh, at one time i had 35 cars on this property 
But uh, so a friend of mine told me about Chafee, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I could learn something, you know, just kind of on a whim. Holy mackerel. I learned that you never talk flow numbers. If you ever hear somebody talking flow numbers about their cylinder heads, if you're doing it, stop it because you don't know what it means. You might think in the back of your head that it means if uh, if that one peak number I'm bragging about means more power, you're lost. You got and how I can prove that to you is on my website under the FAQ button. Uh, uh, David Rare from Rare Morrison, the Pro Stock Champions, wrote an article called "Flow Bench Fallacies," and he did it before I got a chance to do it, which I'm so happy because if I did it. People be going, that's ah, just full for his, his opinions. But this is from a guy, a pro stock champion, telling you the same thing. You can't just directly relate any flow number off a of flow bench. There's a whole lot more involved. But I'll just leave that there because I could go on and on about that. But if you want to learn why you should stop talking flow numbers, I'll tell you this just to get some people off the hook. If two guys are working on the exact same cylinder head, one in California, one in New Jersey, and they got their correction factors set up, they're doing the same valve, the same port, those two guys might be able to talk about their flow numbers. But uh, anything else, you're whizzing in the wind. Anyhow, back to, uh, back to where I was, going to Chafee and learned all that stuff. Oh. And so not knowing for sure what to do, I'd only built one motor myself with no help up at that point. And that was a, I had a 69 El Camino I bought from the original owner. And I picked up a 300 horse 327 out of a 63 Impala station wagon. And I got Grumpy Jenkins first book and, and built that motor going by what he said to do. And it turned out nice, ran nice, and I was really happy with that. And I thought that kind of gave me the confidence about thinking about this Pontiac stuff. I was watching all these different people in the Pontiac world and what they were doing. And I thought, man, I think I could compete, especially if my prices are down. I could probably keep enough business going through here. That was almost 30 years ago, and I'm still here today. Wow. But what got me going big right out of Chafee to try something that I, I just, I thought, what can I do to make the average guy happy? If I could build a motor that would make him go 11 flat on pump gas, maybe I could have a business. So I built a 9.2 to 1 compression 400. Now it had a roller cam in it had a tunnel ram on it, had 456 gears, but it was 9.2 to one compression. I ran on 93 octane and I put it in this car. Hmm. The rock and roll GTO. <laughs> that's me. That's me at Memphis at the world finals. <clears throat> I drove all the way down there and put up a, a 499 light. Tch. Anyway. So, but that car, I was hoping that car would run low 11s and then maybe I'd have something to talk about. And uh, of course, uh, the GTO clubs out here, you know, I belong to, they knew what was going on. Different people knew what was going on. And when we debuted the car, 
make it first runs, we went to Carlsbad. And uh, like I said, I'm hoping for a, a low second, a low 11 second time slip. And, uh, you know, of course, Carlsbad sea level, cheese. And uh, I let go of the button and shifted it at 5,500 and felt good. And uh, came back around to the ET booth and picked that thing up and it said 1072 at 123. And it's just unbelievable. It's really sad that the world's like this, but I split the Pontiac community right down the middle because one old timer said I was lying. And I was like, look, I'll pull the head off of it right now. You know, I, I got I can't lie. Uh, I'm the I'm the last guy that could be able to try and cheat because everybody wants my head. You know, I mean, the, the hater type people, which is plenty, plenty of them out there. In fact, if you had live phone calls coming in, I'm sure these dirt bags would be calling. But anyhow, you know, I know what I did. That's a good show I, idea. I, I, I know what was real. Huh? That's a good show <laughs> idea. Part we'll two with Bruce. Virtual tomato <laughs> throwing. Yeah, we don't want to do that. <clears throat> but anyhow, uh, I learned a lot from that. And... Uh, it was just remarkable. I was really lucky. You know, it was just something that turned out better than I expected. And then uh, kind of shortened things up a little bit. I started in on the, uh, when I got the super stalker and trying to figure out how to make it fast with, you know, I had to have legal heads. Uh, you know, I had ported low compression heads on it, but, but, uh, but when the 428 came up, I thought, man, I know from school, there's a four-inch stroke pulls on the head better. And that's the reason why I believe, that's just my opinion. I'll, I'll tell you when I have an opinion versus fact, because I have a lot of facts. And some guys want to say, oh, that's your opinion. I'm like, no, this is something I've tested. <clears throat> but the 455 with a 4210 stroke, I mean, that's only 40 thousandths away from four and a quarter. That gives you an unreal high piston speed. And to me, the thing just kind of tops out. It can't breathe well. These things, and now we're talking about two guys. Bales was a pretty good engine builder. Gary McGlasson's an excellent engine builder. And the guys back east that never had a nine-second ET slip, but they bragged about spending $150,000 on their motor, didn't have a nine-second ET slip. And I'm thinking, I got to build one of those and find out where the wall is. Because there's a wall in that piston speed, I believe. And I'm thinking that if I can can that thing right, I can make it a better combination. Well, I hope to do that someday. But in the meantime, uh, you saw the video. I won class. That was Friday afternoon. The first round of uh, regular racing, super stock elimination, Sunday morning. I lost to... Uh, crazy uh, car cover guys, DeFrank, Tony DeFrank. And uh, so I loaded up and uh, coming through Missouri that Sunday night, full moon night, this 18-wheeler uh, comes over the hill behind me, falls asleep, hits me at over 100 mile an hour at the bottom of the hill, and just drove right into the trailer, bent the car like this, which unbelievably, uh, a guy that, that lent me his Z28 Camaro to get the grade point so I could go to Indy. I didn't want to throw that shell away. I just thought, 
maybe somebody would like to save this thing. After all, it's the 1996 championship car, you know. And so Scott Case down in San Diego, I gave it to him. You know, just for being a nice guy a year earlier to let me borrow his car. I mean, I get that trust from people. I've driven a lot of other people's cars. And, I, and, and trust me, I appreciate that. But people know that I can drive. So that's kind of fun. You know, he let me take that car by myself up to Sears Point and made two runs on it. Uh, he wanted me to hit it really hard. And I'm like, I ain't blowing up your Z28. But uh, my second run was a lot better than the first run because a small black Chevy has a whole lot different than a Pontiac. <laughs> they, they ain't got no torque. They're all RPM and horsepower. So, but that was fun. Anyhow, it, that car is getting repaired. He's going to put a Chevy motor in it and run it. So the Hatari car will be back. And uh, But anyway, on the way home, I got hit by that guy, and the car's destroyed, the trailer's destroyed. I'm, I'm all messed up. And not many people knew about that. A few people knew, but, you know. So you, you, you still build Pontiac engines currently, or are you, Every day. are you out of that? Every day. Still at it. Every day. I, uh, I finally got my own dyno, so I don't have to uh, worry about trying to get booked into somebody else's busy dyno. I, I did over 200 motors at West Tech, which a lot of people have heard of West Tech because they're in about every car magazine that dynos a motor does it at West Tech. Because the owner used to be the editor of Hot Rod and Car Craft, John Bactel. And that's that one picture you got there. If you want to, <laughs> yeah, if we, <laughs> we can go on to this. This other idea I had, which one? Matt Smith. Uh, there's a picture of a guy with a set of calipers measuring a bore of a motor on a dyno. I think I sent you that. Anyhow, Matt Smith had just become the editor of Carcraft, and uh, he saw some of my 455s over at West Tech, and got pretty excited. And he goes, "Man, I, I want to do a, an article with you." I said, "Great," because I've been working hard on trying to develop the camshaft on these 455s to keep bringing the torque peak as low as possible. Because I thought, well, if the torque peak's really low, you don't have to wind it up to have a lot of fun, especially if it has a lot of torque. Well, my high water mark right now is 626 foot-pounds at 3,000 RPM. That's a fun car to drive around the street. You're talking about that? Yeah, that, uh, yeah that's him. Measuring, measuring the board at the top and the stroke. And let me tell you this story, how this happened. Matt Smith didn't want to do a 455. He goes, ah, everybody does a 455. What else can you do? And I built a 350 for a guy over in France that wanted to go street racing. So I built a pretty hot 350, but it was before I started dynoing all the motors. And But he got the motor and within weeks was just, emailing me, telling me how much he loved this thing. He was beating everybody, hadn't gotten beat yet. He was just having a lot of fun. So I told Matt, I said, let me build a 350. <clears throat> and of course, like most people, when you say Pontiac 350 to them, their face looked like they bit a lemon. Yeah, what do you want to do that part? And, <laughs> and I was like, I knew I could do something good, especially if I went full out on this thing. And of course, you know, I wanted to keep it some kind of pump gas. Uh, so he finally agreed to let me build a 350. Now, 
Uh, hang on. This was another one of those deals where I had hoped that I could get close to 500 horsepower on a nine and a half to one compression 350 on 87 octane. And uh, because it was kind of a big deal, we did it on a Sunday. They closed the place down. They didn't want anybody bothering us. So we could just work on this thing. And it was timing and jetting and timing and jetting until we maxed that thing out at an unbelievable 41 degrees of timing is what that thing wanted. 41 degrees, kind of odd, but that's what it likes. So that's why we dyno, because you never know what you're going to learn. So because Barry Grant had sponsored me on the carburetor and fuel line parts and a complete nitrous system, of course, he wanted to have a nitrous run on the thing. Well, I wasn't really crazy about that. I do nitrous for people, and uh, but I'm conservative, <clears throat> conservative, like I approach a lot of things. And uh, I like to see how much power we can get with the least amount of nitrous. And so, but we had the plate system on this 350. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The last run late in the afternoon that we made on that thing before the nitrous, it made 540 horsepower. <laughs> it's little pump gas 350. Wow. Now, mind you, I'll let the, a little bit of the secret out now. It had a big cam in. But still, it's a 350. It's a Pontiac. And the owner of the dyno, well, there were two guys that were part owners. Uh, but uh, the one owner came in, he goes, you know, you just beat the Gladiator. I'm like, well, what's a Gladiator? And uh, uh, this, uh, what's a guy who used to own the uh, comp camps? Uh, doggone it. Uh, don't remember the guy who used to own comp camps? Anyway, I'll think of it in a second. His prize motor that West Tech kept there to do tests with on comp cam parts. John McWhorter? No. Bob Woodward? No. 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 You'll find it. Anyway. Ivers? I, no. Comp cams. <laughs> no, Ivers was a long time ago. Hmm. This was recent. All right. Anyhow. My Pontiac made more power than his 350, and I got to I got to email him. And, Ron uh -huh. Coleman. No, no, he's a worker. All right, it says owner, but all right, sorry, the interweb's lying to me. Well, if he was an <laughs> owner, it was it was a long time ago. Okay, that's right on the tip of my tongue. He'll kill me. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, I know him really well. We're good friends, but uh, you know, scooter, scooters, uh, scooter, uh, scooter, something. You find a scooter, it's him. Okay. Uh, anyhow, so that was kind of cool, you know. I hear, I hear my little 350 beat, you know, comp cams owner scooters, prized possession. And so I'm, I'm just happier than heck. I can't believe it. We're dancing around the place. And so we had to make this nitrous pull, so I only put a 125 shot on it. Didn't touch the motor. No timing, no jetting changes. Just put a 125 shot on it and hit it. <clears throat> 672 wow. horsepower written by marlon davis uh which you can't get nothing past him he was probably the last smartest 
automotive technical writer in existence, at least that I know of. It's too bad he's gone. 672 horsepower. And now leading up to that picture you just showed everybody, I'm putting my tools away and I'm on cloud nine, as you can imagine. And the owner, the guy that's checking the boring stroke comes up to me. I've known him for years now at this point. He comes up to me and he looks up to me real sheepishly and he goes, uh, uh, Bruce, I got to know. And I, I don't know what he's talking about. I said, you got to know what, John? And he goes, well, come on. He says, this thing's making power like one of your 455s. And so you can imagine, you know how fast your brain can work on something just unbelievably quick. Two things shot through my head. One, I was indignant that he didn't trust me. The second thing was, I'm going to be happier and shit in about five minutes. And I said to him, I'll go in there and yank a head off that thing right now. And he goes, okay. And that's what <laughs> I did. And you go, you see that picture. And I said, John, so I that... said, that's that. Yep. I said, John, I said, I want you. I'm taking these pictures. I want, I want these pictures in the story. And I don't know if you can read the, I guess the caption's not in there. Mm -mm. But that caption is just probably the second most gratifying mechanical thing of my career. The caption said, this is the first time in carcraft history that an engine's been protested on the dyno and found 100% legit. What? I about got, really? about got, a, tat I about got a tattoo over that. Huh. That's crazy. So that was fun. And that was just another thing that I... I thought it would turn out good, but I, again, I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell anybody other than the fact that I said, you know, I hope we get close to 500 horsepower. <laughs> and as we ticked over 500 and kept tuning on it, it was just like, holy mackerel. A Pontiac 350 is nothing more than a Pontiac 400 with a smaller bore. Hmm. Everything else is the same. The crank, the rod length, you know. So they're just a little 400. And they've been proven really good. Bill Rink, who unfortunately just passed away recently, run the Superstock with a 350 uh, in a 74 GTO, that Nova-looking car. That thing run 1030s in Superstock. That's a ported set of cast iron heads. My 350 had a set of my ported aluminum heads on it. You know, big hamburger helper. Wasn't <laughs> right there. Wasn't sixty nine the highest horsepower year for a Pontiac four hundred? I thought they were rated at like four hundred horse in nineteen sixty nine. No, no no four hundred was ever rated that high. The hottest four hundred was Rammer four, rated at three sixty. The normal Rammer three, four hundred, deport heads was rated at three fifty. And then they had a street motor and a Firebird that was the same thing as a Go, but they had a little clip on the Q-Jet that kept the secondaries from opening it, and they called that a 330 horse. So you got your 330 horse, and then they removed that clip, and now you're 350 horse. But, uh, yeah, for 400s, uh, I think 360 was the highest. And uh, just for yuck, 70 was the highest compression 455 ever made. And that was very factory rated at uh, 10 to 1, which is something I'd like to touch on real quick. When I say factory rated, all you guys got to understand when you look at these numbers, and especially factory numbers, that's a nominal reading. 
every machine part ever anywhere has a plus and minus tolerance. Now, you don't know which end of the tolerance you're on until you actually measure what you have. Mm. So when you start talking about these 10 and three quarter motors and whatever, 10 and a half, because I'm into this every week, I have a terrible thing going on. I got to get my own YouTube thing going because I got to get this information out there because guys are building motors incorrectly every week. I just get them all the time because they don't understand the compression ratio. They don't understand the three numbers at the, at the gas pumps and what that means. And all those old motors, you know, 70 gone back are high compression motors. Back then 98 was, was mid grade. Was it really? Yeah. 98 was mid grade. That was the minimal that those GTL type motors were made to run on. And of course, nowadays, guys, I get these guys, oh, I've been running mine for 12 years, no problem. Then it's not what you think it is <laughs> because this is Mother Nature. It's not my opinion. A lot of guys say, oh, that's Pulper. No, it's Mother Nature. She controls what you're doing. So you either, you have something that you don't know what you have if you haven't burned that motor up yet, you know, and you say it's running great. Well, the plus and minus tolerances on a 400 from the factory can make it as low. I have measured all these standard motors that come into my shop. I get a chance to inspect how it left the factory. Look at the rear main seal, the deck heights and stuff. And over the years, I've come up with this. I have seen compression ratios as low as 9.7 on a motor that's nominally rated at 10.75. So if some guy's running 94 octane and a 9.7 motor, and he's driving at night when it's cold, not in a 100-degree day, he might get away with it, but he doesn't know what's going on. And then here I come along and say, oh, man, you, you, you got to be careful. You don't want to do that. So yeah, I got these two worlds that I have to deal with, the people that respect me and the people that are a generation away from my win at Indy that never saw that and don't know me because – that wreck after Indy put me out of business. I mean, physically for almost 10 years. Yeah. And in the meantime, my so-called competition just ran me over. So, but they haven't proved anything. All they have proved is that they can sell Chevy parts going in Pontiac motors. <laughs> and that's all they do. They get these Chinese cranks and I get guys hard on that. I said, why are you supporting the Chinese people? So I oh, know I bought it from Ohio crank. I said, well, guess where Ohio crank got it. So do you do you man do you machine your own parts? In in my shop, I do all the cylinder head work, I do all the inspection, and I do all the assembly. I have two different shops that I've worked with for almost thirty years that know what I got to have, and they do what I need as far as boring and honing, and balancing. And uh, and another shop used to do my cleaning. I'm trying to take that over now because that shop closed but mm. uh, i got a couple of them great big things that you put blocks in and heat them up and then put them in a shot peen deal that yeah. shot peens them not sandblast but and they come out of there looking like brand new mm. makes it easier to uh magnaflex uh, see anything and of course i like my stuff clean you know to work on what are your thoughts on the new like the gto is now the new style Oh, the one that looks like a Hyundai? Mm -hmm. That might give you a hint. <laughs> terribly, I under, no terribly underrated, got, though. LS motor. Like those well, things are yeah, if you, if you get the fast one, 
I am sure that it's a ball to drive, but it doesn't belong in my world. I'm the I'm 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 like the de facto president of the Pontiac Motor and a Pontiac Car world because we're always bagging on guys that LS and our GTOs, and I've got a whole legion of guys that do it too. So, actually, no guy that's you want to talk about uh, sacrilegious. I have a friend that's putting an LS in a Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know a guy that just put a coyote motor in a Firebird. You might have heard of him. Oh. He called it the Bondo Bird. <laughs> put a coyote in, in a 67 Firebird. And uh, he's learning the hard way, but he's learning. And that thing's fast. That thing's almost a nine-second streetcar. And he hasn't hardly touched a motor. All his work has been in the clutch and the transmission. He's been through like three different five-speeds and four or five different clutches but anyway the bondo bird look him up for he he apologized to me when he was doing it because he likes me you know he knows i'm pontiac guy and he was when he got that fire bird for some reason he liked that ford motor um, josh godinzia godinzin good i'll screw up his name <laughs> so i don't think chevy's actually full-on sponsored nhra like pontiac were they ever a real was it ever the chevy show or was it just the pontiac oh show? yeah yeah you'll have to go back in time they swapped every year for a long time pontiac was real strong but stronger about the, than most about the time you came out about the time you got out of it though when you wrecked your car had your accident that's when pontiac was really coming hard wasn't it with like, no they with were the, they were no they were headed out they were headed out i remember the year they came out with uh the uh rule Pontiac Motor Division said, if your car isn't within three years of being new, you're not getting any money from us, no matter if you win a national event or not. <laughs> and so that's when the GT classes started. That was when, uh, well, it turns out to be one of the Pontiac big time whiners. He's one of the guys that got that super duty down to 325. But uh, he, I have to, I'll give credit where credit's due, no matter how much I dislike somebody, but he's the one that actually invented the GT class. He put that 73, 455, and a, whatever it was, a 91, 92 Firebird. I said, the NHRA, I got this, what do I do with it? <laughs> and then that's, they invented the GT class from there where at the time you could put any motor from any year in the same brand name, many year car or truck so that was cool for a long time till they, they actually opened that up quite a bit later yeah you can run a buick in your pontiac now if you want to of course a lot of guys run chevys but uh, there's a few of us diehards out there i got i got to give props to some of the best guys the guys that i look up to and 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 know that they're doing something special and that's uh that's the norm in uh, norm whirling out of colorado him and his brother that's just a, just that's a wicked unbelievable. car just unbelievable well he's got they got several the one that's the most impressive to me is the one that runs i think gt or gto thing must weigh five thousand pounds it runs 11s and it's a low, low compression 400 and it's a beautiful car <laughs> all their cars are nice I got to meet Norm in the staging lanes at uh, Vegas. I was up there. He was uh, about five cars back. And I just took the opportunity because 
I didn't know if he knew me or not. And I, I, he had the door open. And I leaned in and say, said, hi, Mr. Warling. I said, I'm Bruce Fulper. He looked at me and he goes, I know you. And I'm like, oh, hey, cool. Knew of me. But he told me right there, he says, I'm putting the 421 Super Duty in this car. Because that 62 Catalina had been a 389 up until two years ago. And the rating on the 421 62 Super Duty motors out 405. I said, how are you going to be competitive? He just winked at me and he goes, you'll see. And uh, they got NHRA dropped the horsepower to 385, which is still pretty big. But that car flies. And I've got enough stuff to build. i got a 62 Grand Prix out here. And I got all the parts to build one of them 421 Super Dudes. So that's another pipe dream of mine to be able to try that combination. Do you still uh, do your contingency? scenario well for people running or is that i do i do uh jack mccarthy's the only one that still has my decal maybe somewhere down the, the road Jack's you guys car. Are... yeah that's jack's car and see that rock and roll engineering behind the flames <laughs> just looks beautiful he's had it on there for like four years he's the only he's the last guy that's been a man of his word and run my decal and but six or seven other guys that had my decal on their cars, uh, they all mysteriously disappeared. And I haven't got a reason from any of them. Hmm. I know that there's some, there's some goofy uh, story going on that nobody has an answer to. Even out of the last couple of Pontiac guys that I tried to get an answer, they were just, one of them said to me, well, I thought, I thought I heard you say something derogatory about our car. And I'm like, really? At Pomona at a national event, I'm going to say something derogatory about somebody's car? You missed me out of your mind. <laughs> you, you can't get any more professional than what, how I carry my attitude behind the mic. Yeah, I might be a Pontiac guy, but I make everybody look great and have a good time, you know? But anyway, when he sat down, I was like, you're out of your mind. You never heard nothing bad from me. Anyway, that bozo, you know, he's the one that's blown up 428, four 428s. So I don't know what went on. I had guys lie to me saying, oh, I'm going to paint the car. And, and all their decals are on there except mine. But uh, I don't know what happened. I had uh, sponsored a lot of people. It's not easy and behind I, the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, here's what I think kind of happened. I, uh, as I progressed... As I progressed into being in the tower a lot, besides racing, and I did this one year on the hood of my car, down, down there. Happy, it was happy anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll put that on there. And, of course, you know, I ain't lying. You're, you know, we're hunting for exposure. And I thought maybe that would work. Last it did. You know, I got that picture in there. But I think what happened was, I think some of these small-minded people thought that I was going to be treated better somehow because I'm rubbing elbows with all the bigwigs. I knew all the bigwigs. You know, we were friends. But they certainly would never do anything for me, you know. But I think that happened because I noticed the distancing. The more that I was announcing and, and, and being in the tower, that these guys, you know, were just kind of drifting away, you know, not talking as much. And anyway, I don't know, it's sad. 
a bunch of guys could be taking money from me, you know, but that's the way it goes. I don't know if I'll offer it to anybody else, but I sure appreciate Jack running it. It's just cool as heck. Especially sticks it to the Pontiac guys because it's on a Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets his money and he brags about it. He puts it right on the internet. Fulper was the first one to pay. Nice. <laughs> I make sure I get it out the next day. Yeah. I don't want any of that crap going on. That's kind of rare. I used to sponsor some guys that would win, and then he would call me up on the phone and act like I wasn't going to pay him. This is guys that I knew. I don't want to mention their names, but they had a they had a white fiber stalker. Of course, there's a few of those. But anyway, just crazy. Mm. I just want to have fun and get along and have a good time. And the people that know me know that, and I'm lucky that way. I got enough of those friends out there. And there's enough smart people that see through all the negative stuff that guys try to throw up there. And uh, I know it's out there. I don't pay any attention to it. I can't. It's a time waster. And, of course, as you probably know, <clears throat> you never win an argument on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can certainly feel good typing it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just a waste of time. So, so I just, you know, the Internet, my wife, has something in common. <laughs> yeah. When I won Indy, that really struck a nail in most of them. Mm. But as time went on, they started creeping back, you know. I've even got websites like uh, the Ham, the Ham website. The guy that runs that thing said, I heard something bad about you. And he banned me. He never asked me what happened. I've never, I've never been asked about my side of, of any of these accusations. Is it that weird? It's all a one-sided friggin' hate party. Well, the Pontiac, uh, the Pontiac, you've always, you've never been afraid to pave your own road. So it's yeah, you're right. It's pretty impressive what you've done with that, and I, I appreciate the dive into the history of some of the things you've done with that motor. That's pretty neat to hear how it oh, kind of came. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an odd feeling being the king of the hill. What's that 428? I mean, <laughs> I'm it. I've got the, I've got the most powerful NHRA super stock Pontiac engine combination in history. That's me. <laughs> How'd I do that? But it was fun. Ah, Craig disappeared. Must be blowing his nose. Yeah. <laughs> well, we cool appreciate games. you. We appreciate you coming down, like I said, and walking us down the memory lane of some of the history on the Pontiacs. It's been pretty cool. To... What, what, what else have I done? I have put on Pontiac national events at Maple Grove, Indianapolis, and Sears Point. And, like uh, you you I, were the, the um, promoter? I, own, I owned it. Okay. Pontiac Drag Sports. Pontiac Drag Sports. Ran it for uh, 10 years at uh, Xenia at the Trans Am Nationals Drag Race. I put that on. Uh, did it at Palmdale for four years before it closed. And then I went national with it. And uh, that was kind of neat. Why did it stop? Um, I think I, I got, well, you know, because I've been in a lot of magazines and I've been a freelance writer uh, for a few, especially High Performance Pontiac. Um, 
I'm not 100% sure why what happened back then. I mean, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose if you sit down and start thinking about how much work it is, because I, I got a lot of sponsors. I got... <laughs> I just like showing some of this stuff because I like proving my point instead of just talking about it. But I had great sponsors. Yeah. If you... If you... It's hard getting this thing going. You can see me holding the Edelbrock head box. Mm-hmm. Edelbrock gave me three sets of heads for every event I put on. All I had to do was call him up, and that's when uh, – oh, I got it. Please remember his name. Anyway, the the uh, advertising guy there at Edelbrock just said, all I had to do was call him up and tell him I had an event coming up. And if it was a small event, I'd get one set. At the national events, I got three. And that's that's the kind of relationship I had with some people. So, uh, but it's just an awful lot of work. Yeah. And then the Maple Grove race, I got to meet all these back east Pontiac guys. And unfortunately, <clears throat> some of them who are good racers, I respect it, had come up in the tower when we were going to start the heads up portion of it. Because I had what I was trying to do that nobody else has ever done. I I got to get this out there because not to pat myself on the back, but I wanted a fair Pontiac heads up category, have some rules mm-hmm. and go around the country. Guys could have, they could race against somebody that should be close to their car. Right. So that's what I was trying to get implemented. And so I'm doing this class at Maple Grove and uh, I'm not going to tell you this one redneck name, but he's well known back there. Him and his brother both raced uh, at that time. They were fairly fast Pontiacs. Uh, but uh, he came up in the tower and just started yelling at me when I wanted to uh, start that category. He goes, because we had, uh, I had one of my alcohol motors in a local guy's car here in San Diego that we took back there. And so this guy came up there thinking that we, that I brought some rear back there and we were going to kill everybody and take all the money. And why was I doing that? I was like, dude, settle down. That's not true. You know, but uh, George Case, the manager at that time, that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. Now he knew the guy was being a a jerk and, but he still didn't like it that the, the guy was creating so much negativity. So I think that just kind of killed Maple Grove out of the deal. Mm. Of course, uh, but being uh, on the West Coast, I would have done some more. But that's about the time after I did those three national events is when I started the 10-year run at Xenia. And so I just, you know, that's me coming all the way from California to, you know, Southern Ohio and uh, had a lot of fun. I gave away motors. I gave away ported sets of Edelbrock heads. Um, just all kinds of stuff. We had a great time. I got tons of pictures from them 10 years, but it, <clears throat> it was the 10th year that I got nailed by that semi coming home from Indy. And that took, uh, that took the Trans Am Nationals out of the picture. Yeah. What, uh, so, what keeps the sport going, going forward? I mean, with gas, you know, where you're at, it's six, seven bucks a gallon. Uh, yeah. the, the, you know, the gas you race with is higher than that. What, what keeps Maybe. the sport continuing going forward? Well, 
I don't know how much it's going to continue, you know, because in my view, you know, we got all these uh, $150,000 race cars out at these local tracks on Thursday night. There's not too many people can afford them, but all the people want to see them. You know, there's more spectators than anything. Your guy with your regular hopped up street car doesn't even get noticed, mm-hmm. you know. But here's what here I think to the answer to your question is it's that internal drive to go drag racing. You know, I've been around it since 65, I've never left it other than when I was in the army and overseas, but it's just something you love so much, you know, I mean, and being fortunate to see what drag racing was like in 1965, which is a whole nother world. Nobody nowadays can even relate to what we saw. No. And and the kids growing up have no clue about those kind of vehicles. So what do you do to get them to get the bug into them? How do you get them hooked? Well, most of them just like a cool car. I've just recently met some young girl. And <laughs> no. uh, don't worry, I'm keeping her at arm's distance. But I showed her what I was doing with the car, and I couldn't believe how much she freaked out. Mm. And I said, look, I'm going to have two of these. I can't drive them both. <laughs> so that's it? So, just dangle a car in front of people? <laughs> oh, and she's like, "I'll." she goes, I'll work on that car. I'm like, we'll see. That'll be fun. But, but that is interesting, over. like the future of, you know, when we talk about it all the time, like the <clears throat> stock, super stock, the future is to get more younger people in. Yeah. And I mean, whether it's Tough. the newer cars that, yeah, the. That's know. all they got. If they get an old car, what do they get? 10-year-old Honda? Right. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. still new. <laughs> yeah, to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, guys. I'm afraid it's just uh, slowly circling the drain. And, you know, there'll be more racing closer to the tracks. But some of us that want to travel, man, it's just a, it's really biting us hard, you know. Gas prices out here are nuts. But uh, hmm. at least if I go east, the gas prices come down a they little bit. They tend to drop as you move, yeah. Yep, getting out of California. I'd move, but I don't know where else to go. <laughs> growing, up in Ohio, growing up in Ohio and all that winners and having two and a half months to go racing that's what it seemed like sounds like a lot of people are moving to texas from california yeah you know yeah. Winter, winter does make racing less expensive because you can't do it as much <laughs> you can't do oh, it year you're round. exactly right i brought that up a, a few years after i was out here we were talking about that and i was like i'm, I'm pouring money into this car 12 months a year <laughs> Yeah, here yeah. we here we get a solid four months at best. Yeah, or Bruce, it's a or it's a destination, you know. Yeah, Bruce, where can yeah. people find you? Uh, do you have a, a presence on the interweb that you can point people to? Well, a couple of places. I mean, to talk to me, you can just go to Facebook, okay. type Bruce Fulper in there, and then uh, of course my website is PontiacEngines.com. I was so lucky to get that bot when I found out what a a search engine was because (laughs) I first got, I didn't know what nobody, I didn't know nothing about nothing come to computers. And so the first thing I picked for a site was Pontiac power. Mm -hmm. About six months later, I'm starting to learn more and more about search engines and somebody sits down and they want to buy a Pontiac engine. And what are they going to type Pontiac engine? 
And so I went to the place that sold the domain names and I bought both of them, uh, plural and singular. And so, so Pontiac I even had dropped the ball with that one. I tried to sell it to Pontiac, but it was uh, less than a year later is when they went hmm. upside down. Yeah, they must have I was hard up. I was hard up for money, and I thought, right. uh, you know, I, I need money. I'm, I'm a real pragmatic guy, and I do things uh, that are good for me, but maybe not it, it would freak you out. Like, I had one of seven 1962 aluminum front-end Catalina, specially built by Ray Nichols Engineering for Howard Ramsey's Union Park Pontiac. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, I, I that was in my possession for a year. Wow. The governor of North Dakota gave it to me without giving him a dime because he trusted me to pay him the $30,000 he was asking for. Wow. And I, uh, I got to sit in it for a year. At the end of that year is when the Cold War ended and the Middle East broke out. And the old car market just dropped like a hammer. Hmm. Just, I had all these cars that he knew I had that I was going to sell to get the money to pay for that super duty. I had a lot of cool cars, GTO four speed convertible, 421 HO four speed 63 Bonneville bench seat car. All these rare cars, 63 Grand Prix, 421 HO four speed posi tack on the dash. Tilt wheel black on black with eight lugs. I had enough cool cars to get that thirty grand up. Couldn't give them away. Hmm. I got I got the eighteen thousand dollars and I said, "Let me send you this." And he's such a nice guy. He just went, "No, nah, I know that you're." It was right when I was transitioning out of being a nuclear mechanical inspector into starting rock and roll engineering. And uh, just to make a quick note for any Pontiac guys, old guys that are might be listening um um oh, you know my mind's got a jump blank uh one of the fo- most famous uh randy randy williams thank god i remembered his name <clears throat> randy williams was a, a just a heck of a of a machine builder he built machines to do jobs for general motors and when i was at his shop in indiana he showed me all this stuff this guy was just a genius but he loved the old Pontiacs and he knew, and he was old enough, he knew that they were cool in 64, 65, 66. He started collecting this stuff like crazy. And he had a lot of cool stuff. Some of his stuff sold for $600,000 after he wow. passed away. But I was talking with him one day about this and he made me an offer. He says, look, he says, let me give you 35 for the car. You'll have 5,000 bucks to put the down payment on that Sunnan VGS 20 cylinder head machine you want. And that's what Randy Williams did for me. Hmm. And yeah, it was pretty cool. <clears throat> He's passed away now, but, uh, and I don't know what happened to that car, but it was pretty neat owning one of seven. Even the piece that went, the nose piece that went between the grills, this car had supposedly one of four aluminum nose pieces even it had everything rear bumper the whole front clip i found a 63 tempest aluminum front end because they made six super duty 63 tempest three or six or three 12 12 six hard tops and six wagons 
And uh, one day I got a phone call from this guy in Colorado. He'd been following me. And I was still running the business out of the house. We had five people working here in a four-car garage. Ran it here for seven years before I moved in a big shop down the street. And this guy calls me up. And I used to notice these guys, these old timers would call me up. And they'd start asking me questions about cars or maybe racing. And they're feeling me out to see if I know anything or if I'm just a blowhard, you know, <laughs> with ads in a magazine. And uh, after this guy got comfortable talking to me and knowing that I knew a little something, he says, well, I got something you might be interested in. And I'm like, what? He says, well, 1964 in New Jersey, I went to the Pontiac dealer and bought an over-the-counter complete front end, aluminum front-end group for a 63 Tempest. And I'm just like stunned. I said, you got this? And he goes, it's got all the original paper tags hanging on it. It's all the parts are hanging in my garage. And uh, here's what we found out later. Pontiac had serious uh, uh, thoughts <clears throat> on making 40 Super Duty Tempest. And so what we believe is from what little information some of the guys at Pontiac were able to find, they found the invoice. They had sent out an invoice to the company that made the front ends for 40 front ends. But that's wow. it. Nobody's ever seen or heard anything. Well, we're pretty sure that this must be one of those front ends from that order. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I'm frothing at the mouth and making a mess. And uh, I'm sometimes like, what do you want? He goes, well, here's the deal. I've got a sexy three tempest. I want to make a hot street car out of. I don't want to take a chance on ruining that front end. So I want a fiberglass front end. And I want a roller cam. And I want your ported dental blockheads. And I want a Victor intake manifold. And I want a set of headers. And I'm sitting there ringing all this up. And for me, it come up to just about $7,000. Hmm. And uh, man, it was like the middle of the night. I shot out there. That was in Utah. Yeah, he was he was west of uh, Salt Lake City, 75 miles. That's out in the boonies. 75 miles of salt. Anyway, I brought this stuff home. I got pictures of it. I used to put out a little publication. We would write about we would write about what we were doing, and we would write about other people's cars. Yeah. It's called the 421 Club. Little, little magazine I put out for about six years and had a lot of fun doing it. Anyway, I put the pictures of that front end on the front cover of this, and people were losing their minds. Well, this Randy Williams, this collector, had a Tempest wagon that had been in a wreck, and the front end was smashed beyond repair. I mean, flat, flat. And... Uh, he gave me twelve thousand dollars for that front end, <laughs> and I drove it to him hmm. for that kind of money. I, I, you know, I was so scared. I was scared coming home with it. I had it all wrapped up individually in big blankets and stuff, and I'm thinking that somebody's gonna, you know, rob me. <laughs> I was paranoid, man, with that. Oh, and then all the way back to Indiana, but uh, well, that's drug money. You but know. yeah, I, I've come across some cool stuff. I've been very lucky to. We could talk for a long time about some of the other cool cars I've owned. That's I, actually here, really I'll cool. Show, I've got, got one real quick for you. Uh, 
Well, where are you at? Where are you here somewhere? <laughs> what you're hearing is all the magazines that I've been in. Hey, you guys are uh, you guys are mechanical. I'll show you this this big time screw up in the magazine I wrote an article. <laughs> oh, this is unbelievable. Oh, here we go. Here's I own this car. It was owned by a guy in Virginia. He he ordered it new with the Chevy paint mm -hmm. and the biggest motor in the four speed and the four thirty three gear, and sent the motor over to Arnie Beswick, who built it for B stock competition. And uh, I owned that car for two years. But uh, now, <clears throat> on your crankshafts, on the edges of the crankshafts where you got that fillet or fillet or radius, whatever you want to call it, you guys hip to that a little bit? Yep. Maybe. <laughs> you know, anyhow, the bigger the radius, the stronger that joint is. And so something that I pioneered, this is a cool little deal. You like this? I was lucky enough to meet Smokey Eunuch and actually spend some hours with him. And one of the things, the very first thing I asked him was, "How did you make Fireball Roberts' '62 Daytona winning car run for 500 miles at whatever 6,500, 7,000 RPM?" And if you know Smokey Eunuch or anything about him, how cool he was. He took that pipe out of his mouth. He's got that hat on. He goes, well, the first thing I did was get rid of that goddamn big-ass three-and-a-quarter-inch main bearing. <laughs> and he turned all those cranks down to three-inch and put them in 389 blocks. Nobody knew that. They were still 421 cubic inch, but they were three-inch main cranks. Now, nobody had ever done that since. I mean, a couple of people tried. And they screwed it up bad because the thrust area on a, on a 400 is uh, 60 thousandths narrower than uh, uh, the bigger motors, which is uh, 421, 428, and 455. Yeah. They all got the three and, three and a quarter inch stroke. So you have to weld up the thrust on the crank and, and put new surfaces there, 60 thousandths narrower. The only guy that ever tried it that got in the magazine forgot to do that. And so a lot of people got some screwed up cranks and uh, it was a real mess. Well, fast forward about 10 years, I've already perfected this and we're selling these cranks like crazy because everybody thinks they got, you know how racers are. They see somebody else buy something and they think I got to have that. Whether it fits their car or not, you know, the trick of the week guy, right? Whether it applies to them or not. Well, I knew this would happen and it did. But, you know, Smokey did it to reduce the friction. Well, Pontiacs don't get into trouble until with the big journal until you hit 7,000 RPM. Mm. Right around up there, you'll have problems. So if you put it on a three-inch, go to 8,000 if you got the heads. But uh, so Pontiac Magazine decides, you know, it's about time to study on this. Fulper's perfected it. He sold, you know, a dozen of them so far so far so you got to have a nice big radius and the guy that was the the editor at the time was one of these i ride a bicycle to work i've never owned a car idiot and talking to him to make sure he got stuff straight was like 
pulling teeth. So he makes me trust him on the little diagrams they're going to put in there to show, to make the radius bigger. Now take a good, take a good look at that. <laughs> Tell me how you're going to make that, what they call radius cut below the surface. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I've had to deal with over the years. Holy mackerel. And they were like going, oh, any ink is good ink. And I'm like, mm, no. Yeah, that, that, Until it's bad. Yeah, that'll retort's not accurate. Well, I definitely uh, appreciate your time today, and it was fun to dive deep into the Pontiac world. It was it's pretty neat somebody that's that passionate and that specialized like you can you have to listen to this about three times and you'll still catch parts <laughs> out of it so it's pretty neat and i appreciate your time like yeah. i said you've been in kind of all all aspects of it so it's always neat to hear some of the old stories and i could say i talked to somebody that beat pc richards for a class win in indy that's pretty cool too yeah well, we, we get, i got i got <laughs> stories for days pontiac I've, engine dot com is your website uh, engine plural engines plural yeah pontiac engines pontiac engines dot com you can go there I, I the website got screwed up because the people that host it told me that my editor was too old and it wouldn't talk <laughs> to their equipment right. and it eliminated almost all my pictures oh and i haven't figured out a new editor yet so i can get in there because i want to keep the site as is if you go there I get compliments on it because it's a nice looking site, but now there's like 50 pictures missing. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, there's one of the best places to go on my site besides the whole front page is to click on that FAQ button Okay. because I've, I've got a lot of tech stuff on there that, uh, that put some of these inventions by non-mechanical people that are in the Pontiac world uh, to rest. There's a lot of <laughs> dumb stuff out there. Is that unique to Pontiac or to oh, the Pontiac not. world? <laughs> it's probably just that's not, the one you know. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, it's only yeah. because I'm I'm steeped into this. But can you imagine, you know anything about a stock oil filter adapter? It's got a relief spring in it. Okay. So so if if something tries to clog it, the relief valve will open up and keep oil going through the motor. Some guys invented an aftermarket oil filter adapter that eliminated that so and what they're claiming is and it's true they're forcing all the oil through the oil filter 100 percent of the time not being racers and not being mechanical people the first thing that hit my mind was here's a guy sitting on the starting line at idle claps the throttle boom what happens to that friggin' oil in, in, the, in the oil filter it's like trying to go through a cotex you know and now you're not feeding all your your oil supply. So it creates correct? too much restriction by by, yeah, by eliminating that pressure valve. Right, right. Even though some oil filters got a, a pressure valve in them, it's still a, a restriction. Hmm. And here's a little secret for you too. This will get a lot of guys. On my super stalker, I don't run an oil filter. I've got a factory Offenhauser blockout plate. <laughs> and people go. Well, what are you doing? I'm like, two things. If my motor isn't clean enough to run out without a filter, that's my problem. Two, I'm never going to have an oil filter problem. 
How many times have you seen an oil filter blow up on the starting line? I mean, I've seen it twice. Because hmm. guys, they, they put too much spring in the oil pump, and, and they're all jazzed up, getting wet, sitting in the car, looking at the oil pressure gate, sitting at 100 in aisle, not realizing what's going on functionally. You know? Look at the oil pressure I got. That very weekend, the guy showed me that Monday morning we had his motor apart on the table, and all the main bearings were copper. Hmm. So, so does that require an oil change more often? Well, I'm into my motor. Or do you a lot. change anyway? I'm in. Yeah. I'm in my motor probably a lot more than your normal guy, because I want to see what's transpiring. I want to catch something before something goes bad, if possible. Yeah, but or you're unique. Looking, Clearly, <laughs> but you can you can be like me. Nice. <laughs> awesome. You Bruce. can check you you can check your stuff. You know you need to inspect your stuff. I know racers that don't check the lash on their rocker arms all year. Hmm. That blows my mind. I'm like, man, you asking for trouble. <laughs> I don't care who you got. I run T and D. I love my T and D stuff, but. It gets checked after every run yeah. until I'm satisfied that nothing's moving. Well, I'll be doggone something one out of 16 will move a little bit, you know, usually happens. But if I didn't check it top 10, that means the next time it's going to be looser. Anyway, I check my stuff after every run. Awesome. I wish I had, I wish I had a clear oil pan. <laughs> That'd be cool. Make that thing. Here's a million dollar idea. <laughs> Well, thanks, thanks for coming yeah. on, Bruce. We uh, all right, we're heading out. Yeah, we could do this all day, but yeah. Oh, maybe somewhere down the road we can do another one. There you and go. I'll I'll put together a bunch of that, different stuff to talk about. That that's the call-in show. <laughs> well, to maybe to get the haters out. When you come to North Dakota, you can do a live. <laughs> you can do the live in studio. There we go. Then we'll do that one. It'll be a five-hour show. Excellent. <laughs> Sounds fun. Awesome. Well, I'll see you guys. Uh, I'll see you guys at the Hot Rod Havoc. Right. So you're there July 22, 23, and 24 in Ottawa, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, announcing, yeah. calling that race. So yep. anyone out there, you'll get to hear the melodious sound of Bruce. <laughs> Come up and say hi. Excellent. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, PontiacEngines.com. And uh, on the interweb, Facebook, uh, reach out. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate you taking the time. From the West Coast. Have a great night. You bet, guys. See ya. You bet. Awesome. This is Class Racing Today. ClassRacingToday.com Thanks, Bruce, again, for sitting down, uh, opening up a bit about the his life and the world of Pontiac engines a little bit. Did you learn something, Brian? Yeah, I always liked Pontiacs, and there's definitely... A lot of stuff in the weeds there that yeah. the diehards won't be able to dig out. Kind of a crazy world, and me not being as deep in it as you guys are. Uh, it's it's kind of wild to look from the outside and see the the uh, the passion. It's really cool to see. So thanks a lot, ClassRacingToday.com. Hope you uh, enjoyed that chat. We will be back next week for the next one. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email them, classracingtoday at gmail.com. Otherwise, have a great night. We will see you again. See you later.